Tech listeners, I'm your host this week, Hayley Levine. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas and best practice in health and social care. This week we have a very special guest, we're joined by Terry Murphy. Terry has been in the NHS since I was born, I've heard. Yep. Literally the year I was born, he started in the NHS. Um, yeah, I'm quite young, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're not old, Terry. <laughs> you're, you're very young, Hayley. <laughs> um, and yes, so he is the National Business Development Manager at Radar Healthcare. Terry, outside of work, likes a lot. he likes the finer things in life. Terry likes red wine. He likes France. He has a yeah. villa in, is it a villa in France? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Likes, he's a climbing instructor as well. Yeah. Likes walking, cycling, pretty much everything you can imagine Terry would like to do. Likes cooking as well, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. It sounded like a Miss World interview. Yeah. He likes world peace. <laughs> it does, but no, I'll, I'll, I think the audience should know exactly what you're like, Terry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, we've worked together for quite a while, so we worked together at a previous job, and now here, so has it been around six-ish years now? No, I, well, I, I've been, oh, what, worked together yeah. in total? Yeah, yeah, probably six to eight years, I would have thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, flown by, to be honest. Yeah, it's it really been a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it has, no, it has. Um, so yeah, I just want to find out a little bit more about you, about kind of what you're trying to achieve in the NHS, a little about um, some new news, which I'll, I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but first, what brought you into healthcare? Um, I kind of got into it quite by accident, actually, um, because I was working in the private sector for BT, and um, <clears throat> I had a young family at the time, so Hope and Ethan were were four and three mm. and do you know what when I had the kids I thought actually do, I'd love to be a stay-at-home dad and and do all of that because not something I never had and I thought you know I want to do this but I was working for BT um, my journey time up to work I left at six in the morning before they were up mm. and then got home eight in the evening after they'd gone to bed yeah. and I didn't kind of like, I didn't like that at all. I kind of wanted to be a part of their life. I'd ring them when I was at work. So one morning I got up, got on the train, went to work, changed platforms, went back home again. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And Jade, my wife, said, what are you doing home? I said, can't do that anymore. I want to be with the kids. Oh. Um, so I rang a very good friend of mine who was a GP in London and said to him, I've just quit my job. And he said, why have you done that, you idiot? <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, well, you know me, I want to be with the kids. And he said, well, come and work for me. Mm. So he was a GP in Tower Hamlets, and they had a practice that, that were just moving away from paper to computers. Never used computers before. And he said, you know about tech, don't you? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, of course I do. I could switch a computer on. So that, that was my first foray into the NHS, really. Mm. Um, so I worked with them for seven years, um, and I went in on a temporary basis because I just wanted to find out what I wanted to do. But the main thing was take the kids to school every day, pick them up. And I managed to achieve that working in the NHS. So yeah. that's where it all started. Yeah. It's such a contrast, though, isn't it? Like you say, I was able to work less hours now, obviously, GPs, yeah. people on the front line are having to work more hours, yeah. um, and they are struggling to see their, their like kids and families and yeah. things. So, do you think, like it, going back to the NHS now, would you have done the same thing? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think, look, you know when, when you have a purpose in life, you know um, when people are serving you, which everyone that works in the NHS does, mm. from the receptionist to, to the surgeons, if we could phrase it like that. Yeah. And I was acutely aware that, that that's what I wanted to be part of. Mm. That's really nice. Why do you, I mean, we've done, a f- quite, I think, a, quite a few podcasts now, yeah. and every single person that works in the sector talks about passion, and um, despite the fear of going into it, they're just so passionate, and people don't go into it because it's a job. People go into it because they really, really care. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't think anybody in healthcare sees it as just a mm. job. Um, it's a vocation. It's a calling. They certainly don't go into it for the money, um, because I, I was I'm on the train up here. I was looking at what a band one nurse gets, for example, mm. and they start on eighteen k. A band five goes up to twenty five k, and if you've got a family as well, you're working all the mm. hours. So a twenty four hour shift pattern. Yeah, you don't go in for the money. It, it's definitely a vocation mm. and. Do you know what? I salute that. And and if I can be part of what they do by providing services like we do, then, you know, I, I'm in it for mm. the long haul. And, I, you know, 30 years is 30. I had hair when I started. <laughs> what happened? Um, the NHS. I have <laughs> no enough. hair now. Yeah. So Fair look enough. forward to that, Hayley. Oh, no. Oh, what's going on? I can't lose my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so talking about kind of what your how we help, what talk to me about your role and, and how you work with the NHS. Yeah, so ostensibly, I I think radar healthcare we're disruptors in the market. Mm. Okay, so we bring something new and exciting, um, and it looks good as well. It's got <laughs> lovely colours, but <laughs> I guess when I'm talking to our existing partners and potential partners. What I want to be able to do is really get to the bones of the things that cause them pain on a mm. daily basis. So the structures they have in place at the moment, do they really work for a modern NHS? Mm. And the answer that I'm getting back time and time again is what we have at the moment doesn't work. Yeah. Um, let's take it back a step. I'm not concerned really of the product that we offer. Okay, I'm concerned about the hole that it fills. Mm. So a lot of my conversations, I very rarely talk about the product because I'm, I want to understand what, what is it that you do? Mm. And that, that's where I think my, my gift is in, in the questions and getting to understand really the issues mm. that you're facing. And then we can talk about how we might yeah. fill or, or expand on what they do. And have you had any specific feedback from partners that we work with around your approach and yeah I think I think one that that sticks to mind is um and somebody actually posted this and said do you know what Terry was really helpful he really understood Uh where we were coming from what what we were actually trying to achieve Mm. and and we couldn't achieve everything for them but the key areas That, that they were looking to, you know, kind of plug that gap. Mm. We were able to do that. And I think, you know, most of the time we find that people talk and talk and talk and very rarely listen to what's going on. And I think across our organisation, that's mm. what we're good at. So from the frontline sales element, if you like, and I don't really like the word sales element. It's more <laughs> of a, 
um, consultancy element to the people that deliver to the marketing team. We we listen, yeah. and that, that's what we're good at. That's why I'm bought into what we do. Mm. Yeah, the, what I love about this about our company is the like we all talk about all the time partnership, partnership. Yeah. Everything's a partnership. But yeah. like you think about sales teams, business development teams, and people think oh sales like I don't want to be bothered but our approach is so different like we do consult we do have a conversation to understand them right from that first contact with you guys yep. right through their journey with radar healthcare like why do you think that's quite rare for a business um i think if we think about radar firstly okay we we're a company that's 12 years old 10 years old can't remember. It's ten. It's, it's ten or twelve. <laughs> um, when we have leadership like Paul and Lee, it, that that kind of filters mm. down, and it it's more about. There's nothing wrong with sales to start mm. with because we all sell and we yeah. all buy stuff. Yeah. But I I guess to answer your question, it, it's kind of drip fed down from mm. from leadership, and it's kind of our ethos as a company. We're there to help. Yeah. We're there to sell a product as well, but the core of it is about what what we're going to do for the end user. Well, yeah. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. It's one of our values, isn't it? Yeah. Customer focused and yeah. partnership and yeah, it makes it an easy job for me to market. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, so just talk to me a little bit about kind of what you want to achieve at Radar Healthcare and in the future, I guess. Just what do you want to do in, in your life? <laughs> in my life? Well, who knows how long I've got left. Um, <laughs> but I, I think with Radar at the moment, mm. it, it's fulfilling my ambitions as to where I am. So, you know, I don't just go and talk to customers um, and potential customers. I work with our team as well. Mm. So, you know, recently we've done some coaching sessions with our team in London and I've, I've been part of that, putting that together. And, and I think that kind of helps me as well as an individual because it feeds into another one of my passions in, in seeing people develop mm. in their careers. And, you know, they might be working at Radar today and, but have aspirations to move on. And that, that's one of the other core values of, mm. of our organisation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, so you let us know some really good news recently um, that you are going to be coaching and helping and volunteering with the NHS. Yeah. So. Talk to me about that. um, It's quite an arduous process to go through, and it's something that I've been thinking about for quite some time. Mm. Um, And it's all about kind of my ethos of giving something back to those that, that serve us. So I approached them and said, I'd, I'd quite like to be a coach yeah. um, within the NHS. I can give you X amount of hours a week. And then I had all these documents to fill in and you're kind of going back over your qualifications. And I found out just yesterday that I'd been accepted as a leadership coach. Mm. What does that mean? Um, who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, if you work in the NHS... What you're able to do mm. is say, I need some coaching um, because I've got this aspiration or I've got an issue with what I'm doing at the moment. And and I will just be there as as an ear for somebody, really, that, that comes forward and says, I'd kind of like to go into this. So I'm part of a, a big network. There's a pan-London network. Mm. And 
I'll have up to 10 clients, perhaps, um, in the coming months. And they've got this continued development as well. So I continually develop through the NHS. But yeah, that that was great news for me Mm. personally. And it kind of talks about us as an organisation. Yeah. I mean, I don't want it to sound a bit like a yeah. love fest for radar because I mean, but but these are true. This is true. These are facts. You know, we're yeah. we're we're doing stuff. Yeah. And we should speak about it. Yeah, definitely. You, do you feel proud to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, and you know, with the the backing of the organisation as well. Yeah, mm. of course. Yeah, immensely proud to mm. to be accepted on doing that, and um, you know, sharing my thoughts, listening to people's aspirations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what does it mean to you to work in healthcare? Um, I guess, look, the, the main thing is that, so my daughter's in the services mm. as well. So she serves London 24 hours a day. And um, I see what frontline clinicians are up against. Um, I've seen it firsthand and I've seen the hours that that doctors work Mm. and in my own experience um, I've I've seen that and that's what drives me to keep giving it's 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 serving Hayley that that's the key thing Mm. it's serving it's not about the reward in terms of what I get out of it but you know, the, serving those that are in that profession is is key, um, and at the end of that is you and I, the patients. Yeah. And that that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So, um, get a bit personal now. Obviously, you've had your own health scare recently. Yep. Um Are you okay to talk about that? Yeah. 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 What would you like to know? Uh, well, do you, what kind of what happened? Obviously, um, I know our audience doesn't really know. Um, I understand it was in France. Obviously, you yep. were in a French hospital, which must have been really yeah. scary. And, yep. and yeah, just talk to me about kind of your experience. Yeah, so um, we were travelling back home from France, mm-hmm. back to work. Um, and that, that might have been the stress that caused it, actually. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to you know, dig deeper into that. Because um, I'm a therapist also. Um, so... We were driving back. Um, Jade, my wife, said to me, um, how's the chest pain going? Because I mm. thought I'd pulled something. And then she said to me, you're not having a heart attack, are you? And I went, no, I'm far too young for a heart attack. I've just pulled a muscle or something. And then apparently uh, I I wasn't very chatty and mm. she'd um, taken a turn off in France to the hospital. We both got a kind of understanding of the language we can Mm. order food beer and directions what else do you need um so then i was rushed into hospital um i was in the middle of having a heart attack surgeon said to me 10 minutes later monsieur murphy and it will have all been over Mm. um and then i took a ride in a helicopter to have some emergency treatment Mm. and um said goodbye to the kids you know, mm. I, I was adamant that I need to speak to the children mm. before then. Um, but I thought, Hayley, life was over. Mm. Jade said to me, do you remember handing me your phone? And I said, no. And she said, um, unlock my phone. I've got a couple of meetings on Monday. Can you ring the office? Oh, my and- God. <laughs> 
And, you know, there's that famous saying, isn't there? Um, nobody on their deathbed says, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. And, and I said, do you know what? I don't remember you saying that, but she'd, she'd contacted the office and on, on the Monday or a text and said, Terry's, you know, in the hospital. But, you know, hey, listen, I, I live to um, smile another day. Mm. And um, I think I kind of took my health for granted, really. Yeah. I was a bit bit lazy. Mm. Didn't exercise as much as I used to. Mm. Loved my food. Working my way through a French cookbook. And they love cream and butter in the food and then a garnish of cream <laughs> and butter. And I actually said to the surgeon, it's your fault that I'm in here. And he went, I don't understand. Je ne comprends pas. So, um, but yeah, it was a scary moment, yeah. but it was a bit of a blessing, if I'm honest. Some people won't understand that, mm. but it, it kind of really brought my whole life into perspective yeah. at, at, at this young age of 59. And mm. um, it's driven me to take the next step. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, it must have been really scary being abroad. How, how was that compared to like a UK kind of hospital if you've ever been? Yeah, so um, healthcare in France is is different. It's a sub- subscriptive service, so um, kind of private. Mm. And um, the treatment was just amazing, out mm. of this world. Um, I got some wonderful colour pictures of my heart, which was brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm yet to get some from the NHS, but I don't think they buy colour printers anymore. No. Um, so the service was amazing Mm. Um, and I I had kind of three months there so I could learn the language Mm. I could pick up all the bits where I was defaulting on but the the team there much like us Mm. here you know it isn't a job it's a vocation Mm. and and they do it because they love it yeah I spoke to one of the nurses and she went I hate this job sometimes And and I said well why do you keep doing it and she went, people like you. Aww. People like the man in, in the room next to you. Mm. You know, I, I couldn't um, honestly move away from it and, and be happy or comfortable. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. The, um, the, the hospital, when you came back, obviously you had some dealings with the UK healthcare again. Yeah. Um, would you say there's anything that the UK could learn, anything that France could learn? Could they learn from each other? I, I think there's all, always areas that, that we could learn from, but but systematically they're, mm. they're different. Yes, they have doctors, surgeons, nurses, but, you know, we're in a time where, where we're 50,000 nurses short in England yeah. and 12,000 doctors, and it's not going to get better overnight. Yeah. Um, and that's not a fault of the staff that are working in there. They're doing it admirable job and and I'll salute them you know we should have more clappy Thursdays Um, but I guess the difference is funding Mm -hmm. and it's always funding and so I've got nothing but good things to say about the NHS even though I had a heart attack in May and I won't see a cardiologist till September on the phone Mm -hmm. not a face-to-face visit yeah but it's pointless me saying, oh, the NHS are this, they should be doing this, mm. they should be doing that. They're doing the best they can mm. with what they've got. And so it's difficult when I hear people saying, oh, the NHS is rubbish, the NHS is mm. this. And 
I just have to kind of gently, humbly encourage them to think a little bit deeper about that mm. because it, it's not the frontline staff that are causing the issues. Yeah. It's not, you know, the budgets are going up and up and up every year because we, we're more densely populated as mm. a country. You could take issue with that, but that's part of our values mm. as a country, you know. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because um, no one goes in to work and goes, you know what, I'm going to make a mistake today. You know what, I don't fancy seeing that person. I'm going to yeah. just push him back for another couple of months. Yeah. Um, and it's just sad to see people that care and are working so hard get so mm. much slack for something yeah. that they can't control. And, yeah. um, you know, especially in like the patient safety area and exactly. people look at that and it's blame, blame, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get you in trouble and all yeah. that kind of thing. And what we're about is about learning and improving and yeah. looking at the positives of patient safety instead. Yeah. And that's the way it should be, you know, yeah, they're, I think they're so. human beings with yeah. feelings and it, as much as if someone makes a mistake that can really affect the family and so on, that person that's made that mistake that could change their life and it's yeah. just awful really but yeah um going back to kind of your experience has yeah. it has it changed your perspective on on work in what sense like do you do you still feel like you want to do what you're doing or do you think that you might do something different how, how kind of or just your approach to life really yeah well this is a long life mission for mm. me so whatever i do it will, it will involve healthcare. Mm. And I can't envisage, I can't envisage retiring firstly. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's not too many years away. Um, um, and if I do, when I do, I'll certainly be doing something in and around healthcare because it's so important. And, and it's, it's kind of part of who I've been for the last 30 years. Yeah, so no, I, I, I don't think I'll, I'll stop working in healthcare. Yeah. Watch your space. <laughs> you might just coach a lot more, you never know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Help other people in healthcare to achieve, yeah. guess what you have. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really inspiring, I'm inspired by you. <laughs> oh, good, thank you. I'll, I'll send you the bill. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> no, I would, I would love, because I, I uh, mentor um, a, or I used to mentor, like, marketing professionals like younger marketing professionals that are just starting out trying to help them to I guess understand where they want to go um help them with the their industry knowledge with learning how to deal with with senior management influence and things like that and I love it it's just it's so rewarding to help someone with their career and yeah it's it's nice um so obviously last couple of years we've had a pandemic yeah think something that's never happened before well it will have done but not that we've seen yep. um how is that how, how do you think the nhs has changed in your time from when you first started going through this pandemic to now wow okay so question. I, I, that's a huge question <laughs> but let, let's try and answer it so if we think first of all from a technology perspective mm-hmm. I watched the tech press i watched the nhs tech press and health health tech press and um Let's just talk about one thing. So um, I worked with GPs mm. for a number of years. And there was always this move, always this ambition to, to do video consultations. Um, but life was too busy. Practices were too busy. And 
So the normal model is to see your GP, you go and queue up at the surgery and GPs might be running an hour late um, mm. because of us patients coming in with three problems instead of one and all, <laughs> all of this. And obviously there were lots of DNAs, so did not attend. Mm. And I think at the practice that I was at, um, the DNAs were such that it, it equaled four doctor's sessions a week. Okay, think about that every week. And a mm-hmm. session is a morning or an yeah. evening session. Mm-hmm. So four of those sessions were wasted because mm-hmm. patients didn't turn up. And um, so I think when COVID came in, it's easy to look at all the negative stuff around it. But somebody said, I can't, I can't remember who it was, but the NHS grew technically... 15 years in a two-year period. Mm. So there was the adoption of tech to help support the clinicians during that whole pandemic. And if I think of my own surgery, I'll use that as an example. You don't see the doctor anymore. You you go through a triage process. Mm. So you book an appointment online, which is great. Everybody's doing that now. Then you'll get a reply, yeah, you can have an appointment with the doctor or the doctor will call you on X X time, on X day. And so I think the advancement in that, and it doesn't work for everybody, Mm. okay? But for me, that's great. I don't always need to see a doctor. I mean, I do now more than I used to. But um, the ability to do that technically and have a conversation at a time that kind of suits me and the doctor then perhaps gets away on time, doesn't have DNAs. The DNA rates have gone down by about 90%. Mm. So that that's how COVID has changed, I guess, technically. But we were at an event in Excel a little while ago and um, it's great to see everybody back together without masks having conversations about healthcare. And I spoke to a surgeon and I said to him, how has COVID changed your life? And he said, why do you ask that question? I said, because I'm genuinely interested. Mm. And he said to me, well, let me tell you. And we sat down and had a coffee. And he said, I've just come off of working 171 days without a day off. Oh, my God. (laughs) um, Because the need was so great. Yeah. And I paused for a moment, and I said to him, I'm sorry, 171 days without Mm -hmm. a rest? And he said, yes, 171 days. And that was just... I asked him that the morning that in the press it said that frontline clinicians clinicians during COVID are suffering from PTSD. Mm. And this is something I've looked into quite a bit. And I said to him, so what do you think about that in the press today? And he said, I'll need to take a sabbatical to kind of go through, go over and look at that because I think I'm suffering from PTSD Mm. from doing that. Mm. Um, But he, he would have gone back to work the next day. The nurse would have gone back to work the next day wearing all of the apparatus that they had to in the hospitals. So I think there's been good and bad, but, you know, let's celebrate how we've we've got through that. The the time for 
kind of whinging and whining as as past. I think it, it's it's saying thank you. Mm. I mean that. Yeah, 171 days though. Like you just think, especially a job like that, where you have to be so just precise. How yeah. do you, how do you keep your brain working? Like yeah. it's just too much. Yeah, that's where I think. Look, we've all got this innate question in us. Have I got what it takes? We all we all go there at some point. Yeah. And um, the chap that I was speaking to proved it. Yeah, time and time again. Mm. It. I I guess as a clinician, what they will be asking: if such a thing happened, would I be able to stay the course? Mm. And it did happen, and they were able to do that. Yeah. It's just sad though, isn't it? It's really sad. Yeah. Do you, on a kind of another note, do you think? And I'll explain why I'm asking you this, but do you think there are sometimes too many rules that that clinicians have to follow? Like, no, I have to do it this way. Um, So if I think about my surgeon, I'm glad that he followed the rules and did it and did it that way. Um, I, 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 I think when, you know, when we make rules... We make them for very good reason and it's based on the data that we've got mm. at hand at that time. But I think we've just got to leave it to the clinicians to think, actually, if we need to change this, how do we do it and what are the benefits of changing mm. it? How's it going to benefit the patient? Because that's what everything's about at mm. the end of the day. It's about that patient, that that customer, that client, whatever we're calling them this week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. If rules need to change, let's move forward and change them. Mm. If if they're okay as they are, let's let's leave it. Mm. Let's not push it. Yeah, no, it's um, the the reason I ask. So I um, went to for a scan. So I mm-hmm. have um, like little nodules on my yeah. thyroid, um, and I had to have a scan every. I think it was like six months, and then it moved to a year, and then it was, and I got signed off and said, "Come back if you ever notice a change." Yeah. Um, so I found a lump on my thyroid again. Yeah. And so I rang up and I said, you know, they said to come back. So I went for my scan. Um, but then I found another one in the meantime. So I went for my scan and she said, where is it? And I said, well, I've got one, which is here. Yeah. But I've actually found another one on the other side. And she went, well, I'm only allowed to scan one place. So which one do you want me to scan? And I was like, okay, what do I do about the other one then? She was like, well, you'll have to book another appointment. Yeah. So for me, yeah. I'm thinking you've not got enough appointments. It's yeah. a massive waiting list. Yeah. Why not just do them one at a time? And sometimes I think maybe there are too many rules. Maybe yeah. are people scared to break the rules? Like, what What do you think? Yeah, I guess, I guess look, there's, there's bureaucracy in every organisation. Mm. And... Um, but you will find those people that mm. will kind of step outside the box a bit, take mm. a bit of it. I think what you're talking about there is taking the initiative mm. to to do something because I had a similar experience. Mm. And I said, well, I'm not going to book another appointment. And they said, well, let's do it now. Mm. Um, so I think people taking the initiative, yeah, I think we need to encourage that a bit more. Yeah. Um, because it, 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 it wasn't, well, who knows? Who knows? Mm. And you, you were kind of... I would imagine quite fearful about finding another one. So mm. let, let's do let's do them both at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a case by case basis. Mm. Was your life being threatened by doing two scans? Probably not. <laughs> you know. Um, but then you know this referral has to tie up with what I've asked for. And if I don't get back what I've asked for, I'm now confused. Yeah. But yeah, so I think taking the initiative yeah. to do things. Mm. Yeah, we we could do that a bit more. Yeah, 
no I agree it's um it's a tough one though because people obviously yeah. feel like they have to follow rules yeah. and so on but yeah it's frustrating for for you on the other side yeah <laughs> like, oh, and, and they have to apply costs to it so yeah. if you do two scans yeah. there's an additional cost exactly and yeah. who do they build that cost onto yeah yeah so lots of questions there <laughs> I guess yeah and have you seen the parking charges at hospitals? <laughs> yeah, I, I take a bike. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, I walk actually. Yeah. Oh, it take me ages to walk. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I guess my my final question for you really is yeah. what what would your advice be to anyone working on the front line now, but also um, wanting to go, but might be a little bit scared to do it. So I don't give advice. Um, because my advice isn't as good as I think it is. Um, but as an encouraging word, I'd, I'd probably say um, thanks for what you're doing right now. Um, thanks for deciding that this is the life that, that you want to lead. But always I would encourage people to move if they want to move if they want to do something different mm. within that profession go for it don't don't get stuck in a position and five years later say i wish i'd done it then um regret's a great driver it, yeah. it is there's no doubt about that um but if if you want to move do something else do it mm. I, I fully support that fully support people moving in mm. their careers and and attaining that which they see mm. as an aspiration, a goal, or even a dream. Yeah. Mm. I'm looking forward to all the um, the coaching that you start to do. And yeah, me too. Yeah, some of the stories you're going to bring back and tell yeah. us how you help people. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. it'll be really good. It, it helps me as well. Yeah. Because every yeah. time I'm with a client, I learn yeah. so much as well. Yeah. It's nice. You're the kind of person as well that likes to get to know people um, yeah. and understand people. I think in the olden days, they'd call it nosy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're very nosy, Terry. <laughs> very nosy. <laughs> Behind the curtain, yeah. yeah. Um, great, so final question. So this right. is a question we ask everyone. Right. Um, so this is your what the health tech moment. And what this means is anything weird um, or a bit of a strange situation you might have found yourself in the healthcare world. If you can't think of anything weird, is anything just sort of a life-changing moment? Anything um, like that. Weird moment would be great. Okay, go so for it. So the company that you and I used to work for, yeah, I used to do a lot of the technical visits. So yeah. they were server-based um, practices, so all the data was held locally and so on. And um, when we were upgrading to um, the web version mm. of the product, um, I went out just to check all the kit was suitable. And I said to the lady at reception, um, I need to have a look at your server. And she must have been in her late 70s. Yeah. So really lovely, purple rinse. <laughs> and she said, oh, come with me, love. I'm going up there to water the plant. I'll show you where it is. <laughs> so we went into the, um, the, the IT room and there was the server in the corner humming away with the plant on top of it. And she was pouring water oh into this busy Lizzie. And I said, actually, we may want to move that plant. And she went, well, I'll leave it there because it's nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> so crisis averted, you know. 
Yeah, so that, that was a strange moment. And one other, let me, let me just, so similar situation. I, I went into the surgery, went to look for the server. Mm. It was in the doctor's room. And I pulled back the curtain and, and a mouse ran out. Oh. From, and he said, oh, he lives in the back of the server. <laughs> and I thought, how weird and wonderful is our NHS? Couldn't you have, like, I don't know, are there wires that it could have chewed through? <laughs> yeah, potentially. But, you know, there, there was a plate missing from the back of the server and that's where he lived. Aww. Mickey, his name was. Aww. That's quite cute, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the doctor's office. Yeah, wonderful. Imagine if a patient had gone in and <laughs> yeah, seen yeah, the mouse. Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> Obviously, they sure remain nameless. And it yeah. was a very long time ago. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, thank you so much for coming. I've really Thanks for having me. To you. Yeah. Um, so, next week, we are joined by Jasmine Ray. She works for RCH Care Home. She's going to be talking a little bit about the people plan for social care. So, look forward to, to speaking to Jasmine. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got any questions for us, for Terry, for, for any of our guests, please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Thanks, Terry. Thank you very much. <laughs>